0: You know, sometimes this job will be the death of me. <laughs> we've I'm all like had those days, days, right?
1: I mean, yes, but I've, okay, we've been doing this for over 20 episodes. And so I also know that there's always, like, it, you always, like, make punny titles. Like I you try. Know? And um, I'm just, like, running through my head. I'm like, what? what, I mean, like, what jobs are that dangerous? And I'm sitting here, I'm like, I guess, like, stuntman, <laughs> you know, like, I just got through watching, like, top 10 world's worst natural disasters and like you know i have questions about storm
0: chasers and like so what like volcanologists yeah
1: yeah like those people <laughs> where you're like i mean what happened to you as a child that made you be like man i'm i want to go like jump into a volcano and check it
0: out like you know my mom you know loves the movie twister has seen it a lot and has repeatedly told me and my brothers that if we ever became storm chasers didn't matter how old we were she was gonna beat our butts Yeah, good for
1: her. I think that's completely reasonable. Like, that's terrible. Those people, that is, that you want to talk about a terrifying job. We could do an entire episode on just Katie and her hatred of tornadoes. I take (laughs) tornadoes very seriously. When it was raining earlier, Charlotte and I went to go sit in the bathroom with the dogs and the cat. No one was happy. The baby wasn't happy. The animals weren't happy. And I was like, I'm trying to save us. Like, you
0: know? (laughs) You don't even like rain. You won't even use an umbrella in a thunderstorm to not get wet because you're scared of getting struck by lightning. Absolutely, I am because water's annoying, but electricity's forever.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm not interested. That's how you die, okay? Not remotely interested. (laughs) We sprint to the door like men. (laughs) We sprint to the door. Um, We do not use umbrellas. They are lightning rods, dude. They've got metal at
0: the top. Who put that together? But you hold, like, an insulated plastic part, usually. I have seen what happens when lightning strikes
1: things, and that little tiny insulated plastic handle, I don't think it's gonna do a lot against, like, Zeus's bad day. (laughs) <laughs> you know it's gonna smash it to pieces so like no i don't do storms so anyway you've, you've got this this episode title the job will be the death of me and i'm like immediately going to storm chasing and i'm like oh god no. we're talking about tornadoes.
0: it's not storm chasing it's not tornadoes but now you make me think maybe this needs to be a series so oh,
1: god. <laughs> <laughs> next series things that scare katie it's like yeah. anything weather related you know there's people who actually like their job is to like hang out during hurricanes
0: too, right? Like to hang out in the hurricane. Why can't you just like take your instruments and leave? Like Look, there's a lot of there. there. Look, Erica, there's a lot of things in this world I don't understand. I've come to the
1: conclusion that I don't <laughs> understand people who like to hang around <laughs> with bad weather. Like if that's your choice, that's fine. That's between you and your therapist. I will not be there. I don't hang out during, like I didn't do the hurricane parties in new Orleans. If it was a cat three or higher, I was out. I was like texting you. Do you have a spot on your couch? Yep, I'm not hanging out. You know, mother nature can have it. (laughs) I'm not fighting with mother nature. So yeah. If the storm takes the house, sorry. She wins. She wins. (laughs) She She can have it. She can take it.
0: I'm not going to fight her for it. It's not happening. Learn that lesson. Absolutely not. So yeah. You made me think of, we were watching a listicle about, unfortunately timed deaths the other day and one was the volcanologist who was like literally on the crater edge of Mount St. Helens when it erupted (laughs) which how would you know how would you know (laughs) even if you're a volcanologist that it was gonna blow it had never done so in human lifespan before okay so I hear you
1: and I'm not going to argue with you because I am not a scientist But I will say as a person who watches a lot of like in time bull crap, you know, about like natural disasters, (laughs) volcanoes let you know they start smoking and stuff ahead of time. They don't just randomly explode. They get hot. They smoke and stuff. And for some reason, people don't take them seriously. They're like, oh, the volcano is just smoking. I'm like, you mean that really (laughs) angry lava pimple that like Earth's really angry lava? Let's let's leave. Like you know it's like i'm not I'm not saying people
0: I'm pretty sure Mount St. Helens was like really stopped up, and it did explode as a surprise
1: it it exploded, but there was smoke ahead of time, like it was smoking. <laughs> You know? That's nor- that's normal. Most things don't volcano- Yellowstone- know. When smoke. the volcano starts smoking, you leave. You go on vacation. You go see that aunt of yours that lives in Minnesota. You get you leave. You don't stay. As a volcanologist, you take a different job. You go somewhere else to a different <laughs> volcano. Not to the volcano that's randomly smoking for the first time in a hundred years. That's what gets exciting though. No. You say exciting. I say, like, you know, borderline suicidal. I don't know if you can say suicidal on a podcast, but, you know, we're going to say that anyway.
0: (laughs) I'll have to say it again later in the episode, too, so.
1: Okay. So it's like, (laughs) no, it's like, uh uh-uh. No, that's a whole (laughs) different bucket of crazy. Not remotely interested. (laughs) No.
0: But, yeah. So I am going to be talking about some maybe less obvious occupational hazards. We'll say that. Oh, good. More things for me to be afraid of. I love that. Love this. The, the sneaky killers of the workplace <laughs> that aren't just threats. <laughs> it's going to be a great podcast. <laughs> I'm sure every every job probably has some sort of occupational hazard. So my job, there's the potential to be exposed to hazardous chemicals and gases. I work with paraformaldehyde and isoflurane and viruses. So, I mean, because of the nature of workplace safety these days, I have access to fume hoods and biosafety cabinets and personal protective equipment. So it's meant to be fairly safe. I'm sure that your job has had hazards of being bit by children and yelled at by parents. I mean, maybe those aren't physical hazards, but emotional hazards.
1: I've been socked in the face before, but right now my job is being a mom. And the only occupational I have, a hazard I have, is being um, hit with like flying ink, like excrement Yes. Because like children, man, like they like the poop factor they got is some serious. distance on them. The poop factor is serious. Um <laughs> but I don't have to worry about science equipment because my name is Katie and I am not a
0: scientist. Oh. Well, my name's Erica and I am a scientist. And this this is, is Southern,
1: southern science. science. I'm just telling you, I literally look for ways to work that in and everything you say, I'm like, here's my opening.
0: Good. Thank you. I'm really glad <laughs> you did. I fully like I should have said that, like, worked it into my first sentence, and then I- I thought
1: you were going to, and I was like, she's going to take this away from me, but then you didn't, and I was like,
0: I got it. I was like, she's going to take my line. This is yes, my we'll, one thing. Pretend that I did it out of consideration <laughs> and not forgetfulness. <laughs>
1: All right. Okay, so let's hit it. Jobs that will be the death of
0: us. Yes, yes. Um, and both of our husbands, obviously, have a large number of hazards that they have to avoid on a daily basis, so- Brett's less likely of getting- he's less likely- to get murdered, I think, by
1: his job than Danny is. Some of the stuff Danny messes with, I'm like, whoo.
0: Danny has actively eaten a circular saw on, or a chop saw on the job. So, you know. But yeah. um, both, both have their hazards. We'll just say that. <laughs> but I did want to talk about some slightly more historical occupational hazards that have not only impacted directly the lives of the employees, but sometimes have changed the nature of workplace safety itself. So I wanted to start with the story of radium.
1: That's like a periodic table element.
0: It is. It is nice. atomic, atomic number 88. So radium was discovered in 1898 by Marie and Pierre Curie. So radium is a naturally occurring element. It is present in the Earth's crust normally. There are a few different isotopes. I mean, they have different masses, atomic mass, but those are... I'm remembering this from chemistry. Like, you know, like I did take
1: liberal arts chemistry in college. We did learn the word (laughs)
0: isotope. So the ones of radium that you are most likely to encounter are going to be 224, 226, and 228. Now, radium-224 has a half-life of about three and a half days, which means that it radioactively decays. The amount that is radioactive will be half of that amount in three and a half days. Compare this to radium-226, where the half-life is about 1,600 years. So that's a little different, small bit. Yeah. (laughs) Seeing as radium was discovered just over a century ago, we're not even close to that. That's still sticking around. (laughs) And so being a radioactive element, when radium decays, it produces two parts. One part is the radiation, and then the other part is what they call a daughter, which may also be a radioactive physical element as well. So the daughter is you know not stable and also divides into more radiation produces more radiation and another daughter. During this decay process the radiation that's produced from radium is alpha particles, beta particles and gamma radiation.
1: Gamma is the stuff that makes your like face fall off.
0: So gamma is a lot more high energy and it is very dangerous mostly because of how much it can penetrate. So alpha particles can travel only a really short distance and they can't even get through your skin. The problem is if you ingest the particles that are emitting the alpha particles, radiation because you don't have to worry about it going through your skin. It's right there and still causes a lot of problems. So beta particles can penetrate through your skin. You can block them with like thicker clothes and stuff, though. They're not as serious. They still can't go all the way through your body and they're less dangerous to your tissues. But like you said, gamma radiation can go all the way through your body and can penetrate most barriers that you set up to stop it, including up to... I know that from Fallout. Oh, well, there you go. So I don't know what you have to uh, build to protect yourself in fallout, but gamma radiation can go through up to a few inches of lead or a few feet of concrete. So gamma rays are very high energy, very dangerous. And so all these different types of radiation can be produced by the decay of radium. And the daughter particles that are produced, radium initially decays into radon gas, which is also bad for you. It's the second leading cause of lung cancer in the United States, according to the EPA. And then ultimately lead, which also is very bad and we will talk about in a few minutes. So there's no good parts to this. So why do we mess with this? Because it glows and that means it's cool. So, Okay, my glow sticks don't have radium in them. Not anymore. (laughs) sorry what we'll get there we'll get there so what everyone is exposed to low levels of radium it is a naturally occurring element but only about one part per trillion in the earth's crust so not not a huge risk in your day-to-day life it is produced naturally by the decay of uranium and thorium and is found in rocks and soil and air and water. And because of that, it can be absorbed into fish and plants. So you can be exposed that way. Like mercury. Yes. And tuna. Okay. Yes. And mercury's the third item on the list today.
1: Good Lord, Erica. Okay, look, I'm just, I'm hitting it out of the ballpark today. See, I I know my periodic table elements. (laughs) The dangerous ones, I mainly know some
0: of this because I wasn't allowed to have fish because of (laughs) the mercury content. Yes. All right. Yes. So, unfortunately, because it glows, even though it is dangerous, it used to be considered a health product. I mean, honestly, there was a, a time in the, quote, atomic age of this country where anything that glowed or had radioactive radioactivity was pretty cool and they used to sell these like little atomic radiation kits to kids and would give you like a little bit of uranium i think anyway very very dangerous anyway what you can google like atomic toys for kids probably like 1950s or something but okay so i'm doing that while you continue to talk (laughs) so radium has also been used in construction materials food toothpaste hair products and a lot of glow-in-the-dark stuff it has also been used in a medical application. It was originally not used very responsibly because it wait, did you what did you discover? Did you find that really old school the Gilbert U238 atomic energy lab kit. That's
1: the one. You can make your own gamma from zinc. And what did we just say about gamma? Let's not do that. <laughs> Bad for you. <laughs> how how do we survive as a species?
0: I mean, we're not that great at it.
1: We really suck at this. All right, keep going.
0: (laughs) Oh, I was just going to say, so the radiation from radium has been used in a medical context in a chemotherapy aspect. It used to be used not super safely. It wasn't shielded whenever it was used. And you would actually just make these like, they were literally called radium needles. And they would just be long spikes of radium that you would just Stick in a tumor and hope for the best. I'm sure it was done a lot more scientifically than that, but these days that sounds a little wild. But according to the Journal of Nuclear Medicine, it is still used to treat some cancers, but just in a much more controlled and better shielded way than before. So it is still used. But as an occupational hazard, what were we doing with radium and what was it doing back to us? So after its discovery in the late 1800s, Radium really hit its popularity in the early 1900s because things that glow are super cool and were obviously the way of the future. So it was most popular in watches, clocks, and airplane dials. And so that all of those things could be read in the dark without needing a power source. One of its more, I guess, important uses I'm not sure how to judge it, but for airplane dials and gauges, this let World War II pilots fly without having their cockpit lights on, and that was really important for night missions. Okay. Ghost is barking, and I have to put him outside. What? Dog?
1: Get him, ghost. He sees a ghost.
0: Yeah, probably. This dog. What the when, matter? When I unleashed him, He just ran back and forth across the living room, which he is not good at because he has fluffy paws and it's a hard floor and he just slips and slides all over the place. He could, yes, he runs in place like he's a cartoon character. And then when he tries to stop, he skids six feet and then tumps over. He is an occupational hazard. He is. And then he tumped over, skidded and slid into me and then submission peed because he didn't want to go outside and then yeah. when he stood up, did he drag his tail through the pee? Yes. And then whenever I made him go outside, did he brush that tail against me? Yes. Of course. So I took a minute longer than necessary because I had to clean things, including myself. Look, girl, I, I get know that's on, your on all the time. <laughs> I feel you. Sometimes you just have to take a minute to clean the urine, okay? This dog, <laughs> he's not in here with me so that he wouldn't pee on things. He's still got you anyway, which is great. <laughs> this dog. Anyway, <laughs> I love him. He's just a goof. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, radium. People discovered it could make things glow. And glowing is very convenient at times. As everyone who... The cockpit makes sense. Like, I would get that. I mean, you what know. else are you going to do to decorate the ceiling of your bedroom when you're a teenager? If not, yeah, put true. glow-in-the-dark stars all over it. I mean, obviously, Yeah.
1: You know, glow-in-the-dark like body paint. That's always fun, like yeah. night parties.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the problem is the watches, the clocks, the dials, all of that is very fine detail work. And the painters who were doing this fine detail work, because a lot of this time period is shortly following World War One, most of the employees were women. Anyway, they were instructed to lick their paintbrushes to kind of make the brushes go into a finer point and clean off any excess paint I think the like the actual slogan was like lick dip repeat or something like that they were told to do this because it was faster and it wasted less paint than actually cleaning the brush off with the rag and plus you didn't know it was dangerous so the women were also sometimes would just like paint their nails with it cool glow-in-the-dark nails I would love that
1: but that's how you get alpha particles
0: Yes, because you are swallowing the radioactive paint.
1: And because I listen. (laughs) Yay!
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that sounds terrible. So, yes, it very, very much was. So the most famous example of this is workers that have been termed the radium girls, which is workers that primarily worked at three factories from 1917 through the early 1920s. And their story has been covered by other podcasts and deserves a lot of detail on its own so i'm not going to go into super deep a lot of detail on their story specifically but the short version is that the workers started having serious health problems so the first people who noticed the problem were actually these ladies dentists so a lot of them were presenting with dental pain loose teeth lesions ulcers and oh, that's terrifying okay the fact that a lot of times they would have tooth extractions, then those wouldn't heal. So that's just some of the things that were happening in the mouth region. A a lot of these women later then would develop anemia, bone fractures, and necrosis of the jaw, which became known as radium jaw because it became so prevalent. The women also started seeing hormonal changes such as suppression of menstruation and sterility. And then a lot of them developed bone cancer. In their jaws specifically. Okay. And when the first woman from one of these factories passed away from this condition, her jaw had fully fallen off. So bad for you. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> So naturally, there was a huge legal battle as the companies refused to admit that the radium exposure was part of the problem, tried to discredit the women with a lot of smear campaigns, tried to suppress the medical findings, and ultimately this led to enhanced workplace safety standards and rights of employees to sue their employer. Uh, I definitely look into that more if you're interested. It's a very dramatic story and very sad for these women who were exposed to workplace hazards that they were unaware of. And the upshot is that by the 1970s, radium was no longer used on watch and clock dials. But if you notice, I said this started in 1917, and then it was out of practice by the 70s. So, took a hot minute. So, that's
1: fun. So, you're walking around getting, like, wrist cancer because you're wearing a watch that has radium in it.
0: So, that is a possibility if you have an antique watch. I do not. So, we're good. (laughs) your apple watch is not going to be a problem nope (laughs) but (laughs) jobs i i actually saw a list of like other kinds of of antiques that are potentially radioactive there's some forms of glass and ceramics and things like that that also were created using radioactivity and so it's actually uh more of a worry with antiques than i would have thought see this is why i don't buy antiques this
1: is why i just buy things that look like antiques (laughs) <laughs> yep and that extra Wait, money for things to look dangerous old. i want less radium with my stuff please
0: that's good that's that's important so because this is a science podcast what i wanted to mostly focus on was the story behind the workplace hazards and then what are the actual pharmacodynamics of what is happening in your body as a result of the exposure to these toxic materials so oh, what is radium. the mechanism? You said radium's like radioactive, right? So we think in like Chernobyl level. Not exactly, because these women in most routes of occupational exposure are chronic conditions, and Chernobyl level is obviously an acute, one-time, big exposure. Okay. Um, but they did. I think it was the radium exposures that they found that the radiation decay process, as a result of having radium in your bones mimicked the decay process of victims of the Hiroshima bombings. So it is the same sort of radiation that's released into your body in a time lapse kind of condition, just on a different scale because you incorporated that into your bones more periodically. So radium enters the bloodstream orally in this case, but then it gets taken up into tissues throughout your body It gets taken up into most of them, but then it actually, you know, gradually gets secreted out because most of your body isn't using the radium, but it's retained better by hard tissues like bone more so than soft tissues. So more specifically like the inside of your bone called the bone volume compartment. So it settles everywhere, but is lost from the soft tissue first, and then is lost from the bone surface or shifts from the bone surface into the volume of the bone. And this is because radium chemically is similar to calcium. So it gets taken up by a lot of the cellular machinery that is used to taking up calcium. And once it's there, it parks in your bones and then the radium decays and releases radiation into the surrounding tissue. And so some of the first symptoms that will develop if you don't have something convenient to notice like a tooth falling out is bone sarcoma. And there are several different types of sarcoma, cancer of the bone. All of oh, them are bad. But yeah, yeah, they're all bad. Yeah. So in super rough numbers Tumors that result from radium-224 develop about a decade after your first exposure and tumors for radium-226 and 228, it's closer to almost 30 years after your first exposure, just because of the amount of time it takes for them to put off the radiation that causes the problem because of their different half-lives. It's
1: almost more terrifying. It's like asbestos. You just never know where right. it's going
0: to get you. It just lurks. And yeah. honestly, like that, 30 years, there's a wild range because it's like, yeah, a decade plus or minus five years and then 30 years plus or minus 15, you know, it's, it's, you don't know when it's going to pop up. So factoring in the time to cancer development against the human lifespan, some scientists have developed a practical dose threshold that has been recommended as 0.0039 rads per day or 80 rads total But that calculation is highly controversial or disputed. There's no guarantee that you won't get enough radiation exposure, you know, from your daily life on top of your occupational hazards or that would lead to cancer. And also, you know, there's lots of ways you can be predisposed to cancer. So it's never great. Just don't do it. According to the CDC, they say that exposure to higher levels of radium over a long period of time may result in harmful effects, including anemia, cataracts. Fractured teeth, cancer, especially bone cancer, and death. So, great. They say that the effects are mostly due to gamma radiation because it can travel long distances through air. But if you're eating it, then you also have the alpha radiation.
1: Yeah, it's not helpful.
0: Direct damage to your tissues. So, all bad. Yeah. I had, I actually found a, a graph of radium in man, whole body retention. And it's basically, it's just like this decay graph of how long it takes for the radium radium to get out of your system. And the percent retention, you know, in the first day you're, you get a lot of it out of your system, but it's several thousand days before you get down to still having 1% of it left in your body. So it sticks around for a longer time.
1: Yeah, this isn't like a, you can't make an accident wash it off.
0: Your body shoves it into your bones. Yeah. Your bones yeah. are constantly remodeling. And so if there's radium there instead of calcium, they'll just stick that sucker in. So it's bad for you. It has been, many people have been exposed to it as a result of their jobs. And so that's why it made first on our list. So my references for the radium section of today's talk were the CDC. The EPA, the USNRC, which is the United States Nuclear Regulatory Commission, LiveScience.com, <laughs> and an excerpt from a book called Health Risks of Radon and Other Internally Deposited Alpha Emitters. That was written by the National Research Council Committee on the Biological Effects of Ionizing Radiation.
1: I know the CDC. We've all heard about
0: them these That's last the few one years. Got. They're big <laughs> That's name. The I got.
1: Hot ticket. All right. So we got we got radium. That sounds terrible. What's our what's our next one on the
0: list? And even though the the victims that we mostly talked about in the radium section were women who were painting, if you ever hear someone referred to as crazy as a painter, which was apparently an ancient saying, it doesn't refer to radium poisoning. It refers to lead. I knew that one. You did. I had never heard that term.
1: I've heard that term. I know that saying. And then also, like, the big thing you learn when you're pregnant is, like, don't use old cribs. Oh, because of the paint? Because of lead paint. Yeah. When babies literally put anything they can in their mouth. I mean, girl, I do And
0: lead poisoning in children? Mm. Not fun. Bad. That's anyway, bad. one of the most common industrial hazards in the United States is lead. So according to estimates that were made by the National Institute of Occupational Safety and Health, more than 3 million workers in the United States are potentially exposed to lead in the workplace. Still? Yeah. What are we doing? Well, lead containing products that are radiation shields, ammunition, surgical equipment, People who are developing x ray films using the old method, fetal monitors, plumbing, circuit boards, jet engines, ceramic glazes, people who mine it, people who smelt it, people who make pipes, plumbers and fitters, car mechanics, welders, glass manufacturers, construction workers, battery manufacturers and recyclers, firing range instructors, plastic manufacturers. That's my list. And those are just the people who are at higher so risk. If you work, yes. That's work only. <laughs> you
1: probably have come in contact with lead. Okay, fair enough.
0: Yeah. Three billion people are at occupational risk of exposure. And we're not what? talking about people who drink from those lead pipes and fire those weapons. I saw one example of someone who said they treated someone with lead poisoning and it was because they made their own musket balls for historical reenactment purposes. I think. Nice. Bad. Fair. Bad. Okay. Anyway, also according to the EPA, lead has been a key component in makeup like face powders and rouges and mascaras. It's been used as a spermicide for birth control. It's been used in the manufacture of chastity belts because it was meant to be like a cold non-sexy metal. It's been used as a sweet and sour condiment, popular for seasoning and adulterating food. That's a more historical context, of course. Been used as a wine preservative, perfect for stopping fermentation or disguising inferior vintages of wine. Has been used to make cups, plates, pitchers, pots, pans, all that more malleable. So ancient Romans, specifically, were fully eating lead-seasoned food. And drinking lead-containing wine out of lead-coated dishes. And it was just like a cultural ubiquity. They had words to describe someone's attitude as being someone who was poisoned by lead. That's like the Saturnine countenance. It was it was everywhere. And they knew they caught it caused problems, but they kind of downplayed the severity of it. And eventually, lead was both so common and so obviously bad for you that. It would retain most of the above mentioned uses, but mostly you would just kind of give someone that makeup if you wanted to kill them. You know, it's like it was still available, but you kind of only bought it for your enemies. You only bought this lead compact mirror and then give it to that lady that you secretly hate. Humans are terrible at being alive. Oh, yeah, we're bad. We are so bad at this so that was a lot of the pre-industrial exposure so now in the industrial age a lot of the exposure came from the introduction of leaded gasoline now there is a long story about unleaded gas yes
1: i was no i was just thinking that i was like all of the stuff you don't see leaded gasoline
0: right but they have to specify that it's unleaded uh you know i've never given that thought for a long time gas was leaded and it meant, I I don't know if it was meant to improve fuel consumption, like gas mileage, I think, but it's, yeah, it's, it resulted in a lot of lead being aerosolized and put into the air and it's thought led to a lot of developmental problems. So there've been studies that tried to link the prevalence of leaded gasoline with inner city poverty and violence rates and a lot of stuff that resulted from pollution. So there's there's a ton of studies out there on the chronic effects of leaded gasoline being in the air. But also these days you get contaminated water supplies. So if you ask the CDC, they say that the safe limit for lead consumption is none, zero. Don't don't, don't do, do it. it. Exactly. Yeah, no, not not a good choice. Poor choice. Now, the EPA has a limit of what they say that you can have, you can consume, because they're different organizations and they're looking at it from different different purposes, different focuses. But they have a limit. And the drinking water in Flint, Michigan in 2015 was over 25 times higher than that and was even higher than what the EPA classifies as hazardous waste. So, Still is, by the way. actually no it was declared well kind of so after a state of emergency was declared that is frankly embarrassing for a first world country to experience it was determined that nearly a hundred thousand residents of flint michigan were exposed to lead in the 18 month period that the observation was being done and also at the same time exposed to harmful bacteria and other problems because their water supplier was just crap But after two years, the water was declared safe to drink if you used an NSF-approved water filter. And that was in 2016. I'm sure it's still not great. And you have to use a water filter that has been approved to filter out lead by the National Science Foundation. But theoretically, they've declared it safe to drink. Is that great? No. When I went to New York a few months ago and stayed in a wildly old guest house, were there a thousand signs that were posted everywhere, letting everyone know that lead had been detected in the pipes. And please don't drink hot water. And if you do, make sure you run it for a while first. And definitely don't make any baby bottles with warm water. Make sure that you use cold water and then heat it up separately because the lead leaches out of the pipes and into hot water more easily. Anyway, it was a whole thing. They gave us lots of pamphlets. That's terrifying. Yeah. That was two months ago. Love that.
1: We suck at being alive. Humans suck at this.
0: Yeah. So, with as far as like lead pharmacodynamics and how it gets incorporated into your body, there aren't any because it's not supposed to be there. So, unlike radium, which is mistaken for calcium and incorporated into your body, your body doesn't know what to do with lead, including that it doesn't know how to get rid of it. Yeah. So it hangs around. Symptoms can result from chronic or acute exposure. Now, most of the ones we've talked about have been chronic, and that's very dangerous. And organic lead, meaning tetraethyl or tetramethyl lead compounds, which are the ones that are used as additives, like in gasoline, are more toxic than inorganic lead, which is going to be like elemental lead or lead carbonate, lead chromate, things like that. So if you inhale lead... About a third of what you inhale sticks into your lungs, like sticks to your lungs and is not exhaled right back. And then nearly all of that is absorbed into your bloodstream. And then it gets taken up or kind of leeches. It's not really like actively taken up, but it is absorbed into your bones, your teeth, your hair, your nails. Make sure
1: you never get it out.
0: Yes. Those don't cause direct problems. But those serve as crypts, as places where the lead can then be released from those sources and then circulate through your blood again later. It's like having a dormant infection. Love that. So even though those don't cause direct problems, they'll cause you problems later. Love that. But your brain, your spleen, your kidneys, your liver, your lungs, all those also store lead. But that's where the lead causes the direct problems. Heavy metals, including lead, create radioactive radicals, which damage cell structures, including DNA and your cell membranes. Hard to have functional cells if you burst the walls on them. Yeah, Lead also interferes with the enzymes that help you make vitamin D, enzymes that maintain, like I said, the integrity of your cell membrane, interfere with DNA transcription, also disrupts red blood cells, their membrane as well. So that causes anemia. Super fun. Lead also is speculated to alter the permeability of blood vessels and collagen synthesis, so mess up your skin and your ability to transport blood around your body, and also damages cells of the immune system, so decreases your immune activity. So it's going to kill you. It 100% just might. There was a good review paper that I read that I'm getting a good chunk of this from that was called Lead Toxicity, a review. And it was in a journal called Interdisciplinary Toxicology. And so here's the range. Blood levels between 25 and 60 micrograms per deciliter. And deciliter is pretty much only used in a concentration of blood format. That's the only place I ever see deciliter used as a unit.
1: Okay. Can you dumb down what deciliter and like micro, like, can can you put that in perspective?
0: You know, like a two liter bottle of Coke. Yeah. Because we're Americans. So this is like actually a process. Yes. Yes. So two liter project. bottle of yes. half that is a liter. Okay. You can sometimes buy liters of Coke. it look like, you know, bigger than yeah. a 20 ounce, but anyway, so a deciliter is a 10th of that. Fair. Okay. And then a milliliter is a thousandth of that liter. So it's not much at all. Okay. You'll see milliliters referred to in medical context also sometimes as cc's or cubic centimeters. Hey, okay. I have seen that. Because gotcha. that's another way of expressing the volume. Anyway, take a two liter, half it, and then a tenth of that is a deciliter. Gotcha. And so that's sometimes the way that your blood volume is expressed. And so if they want to say how much lead is there, you say 60 micrograms. So microgram like a paper clip weighs one gram. Oh. So So 0.00006 of that. So easy, bitty, very, very light. Yeah. So you take a gram and you divide it by a thousand. That's a milligram. You divide it by another thousand. That's a microgram.
1: Very small. Yes. Gotcha.
0: In the volume of blood that's like a tenth of a liter. So you need to stay away from this stuff. It's Yeah, it'll get in there. So between 25 and 60 micrograms per deciliter gives rise to neuropsychiatric effects like delayed reaction times. Irritability, difficulty concentrating, slowed motor nerve conduction, and headache. Anemia appears at the 50 micrograms per deciliter range. And then at about 80 micrograms per deciliter, you get abdominal colic, paroxysms of pain. And then above 100 micrograms per deciliter, you get the really severe stuff like encephalopathy, brain Brain swelling. swelling. And then increased pressure within the skull, which comes with delirium, coma, seizures, and headache. Which, why did they list headache? I was expecting death oh, at the end a, of the that list. Kind of, I was waiting for you to say death, but yes. Okay, right. so we're talking delirium, coma, seizures. Any. And, I mean, headaches suck, but like, I was expecting death. It doesn't death belong at the end on the list. the list with coma. So, intense acute exposure will generally give you the central nervous system and neuromuscular manifestations, the chronic exposure will give you more of the GI features and problems like that. But the chronic exposure also gives you short-term memory and concentration problems, depression, nausea, abdominal pain, loss of coordination, and numbness and tingling in the extremities. You also get fatigue, but also problems with sleep, headaches, stupor, slurred speech, and then anemia, which we already said. And then children with chronic poisoning show signs of aggressive behavior and refuse to play, which You're more of the child psychologist than I am. I'm sure that indicates something more serious than it sounds like. So all bad. All bad. A few more lead examples of things that lead messes up. Important categories are reproductive problems. I knew that one. Yeah. Lead causes reduced sperm count and motility, decreased testosterone, which in rat studies, you could only recover the testosterone levels if you managed to get rid of all the lead in your system before puberty. If you lost your testosterone after puberty, you're out of luck. Lead can also cause miscarriages, premature birth, low birth weight, problems with early child development. And lead can cross the placental barrier and make it into breast milk. It also affects the structure of human chorionic gonadotropin, which is HGC, which is the hormone that is present during pregnancy and is what pregnancy tests detect. As far as your nervous system goes... It really messes things up. So lead affects the development of neurotransmitters, the organization of your ion channels. Specifically, it inhibits NMDA glutamate channels, which are used to activate and fire your neurons. It's an excitatory neurotransmitter. So yeah, they're not. Yeah. You don't have the neurotransmitters you don't have the receptors for the neurotransmitters in the right spot to organize firing. You have a loss of the myelin sheath that prevents crosstalk between your neurons. And then you have a reduction in the number of neurons. Children that are exposed to lead during neurodevelopment literally cannot think. Yeah. Because everything in their brains is no longer structured appropriately. Yeah. And lead crosses the blood brain barrier and results in a smaller prefrontal cortex damage to the hippocampus which is used in learning and memory yeah it's really really bad and we used to paint crabs with lead paint yep because it's brighter because yeah yay because humans rock man humans are humans are good at this what do we like shiny things and things that glow and we've determined that all of those are bad for you yeah so the treatment is what they call chelation usually with disodium calcium edentate, which basically it's designed to bind the lead and soak it up and allow it to be excreted in your urine. There are other chelating agents that are being studied to be used, as well as compounds that are designed to focus more on directly combating the effects of the lead poisoning, but a lot of those are still in development. My sources for the lead section are the EPA, Britannica.com, the review article that I already mentioned by Wani, Ara and Usmani. And the CDC again. I love the CDC jumping in there every time. Man, that's depressing. Oh, yeah. Hey, they've got a lot of of feelings about. Well, I mean, and honestly,
1: with lead, too, like, that's one of the ones that I feel like most people are familiar with. Like, lead and mercury, those are the two you hear about, right? Yes. Lead and mercury. Or it's like, stay away yep. from lead and mercury. You'll never get them out of your system. You'll die with them there.
0: Yeah. You will. Speaking of, though, if you're not crazy as a painter, maybe you're mad as a hatter. So, mercury's up next. Is that where that comes from? Yes! Really? Uh Uh-huh. Mercury is another toxic heavy metal. It's in tuna fish. That acts as a neurotoxin. Yes. all I know. So, yeah. (laughs) For non-occupational exposure, the way you're most likely to come across mercury is as methylmercury, which is found in fish and other seafood. So, symptoms include loss of peripheral vision, Pins and needles in your hands and feet, lack of coordinated movement, impairment of speech and hearing and walking, muscle weakness, and then children that are exposed to methylmercury while they're in the womb have impacts to their cognitive thinking, memory, attention, language, fine motor skills, visuospatial skills. So all that why you were probably instructed not to eat a lot of fish I was told no tuna. pregnant. Yeah, no tuna. No tuna specifically, yeah. I don't know why tuna, but no tuna. I mean, around here... And I, I don't, I assume it's elsewhere, but in Monroe, I guess there were limits on how much bass you could catch and eat because you didn't want to eat enough to reach a mercury threshold. Oh, I had no so, idea I came in bass. Yeah, that's, that. I mean, that's something that we were told, like, I used to have a fishing license and we'd go out on the river. Of, course you, did. And, of uh, course you did. Why wouldn't you? Of course. I mean, I'm not great at fishing, but it's nice to just hang out. Take the girl out the country. Nice take the country either. out the girl. <laughs> But anyway, yeah, we go out on the Washtenaw River, catch bass and perch, and I mean, I you guess know, that makes nothing sense. impressive. I just
1: like you know, you you always hear about mercury being in fish, but yep. they always say tuna.
0: I mean, I don't know if that's farmed tuna or wild caught tuna. I don't know the specifics, huh. or if it's something specific about their metabolism. So I always think of bass when I think about fish with mercury. That's
1: Interesting. I never even occurred to me that like mercury came up in like jobs.
0: Besides like thermometers, like old school thermometers or whatever. Right. That was I was gonna say that also is like you're gonna come across it in fish or an old school thermometer yeah. if you break it. Okay.
1: Mad is a hatter. Okay, I'm interested in this one. Let's go.
0: Yes. Oh, I forgot. I felt clever when I thought of this is why you shouldn't teach a man to fish and feed him for a lifetime, because that lifetime will be short because of all the mercury and ah, <laughs> that science joke. That's depressing. Science joke. Anyway. <laughs> In all fairness, a lot of the information in this section does come from Wikipedia, but that's just because I liked how they structured the information. I did follow through to their original sources and make sure that what they were saying was actually supported by the source material, so don't hate.
1: but (laughs) Hey, we're doing this for fun, so if you do want to hate, you can carry that somewhere else. Make your your own podcast.
0: So anyway, occupational exposures. The prime risk throughout history has been hat makers or hatters. In the process of making hats, uh, specifically, I think the felting process, there's a mercury compound that's used. And people knew it was a problem in 1860. There was an article that was written called Mercurial Disease Among Hatters that was published in Transactions of the Medical Society of New Jersey. And that included workplace recommendations for changes like have high ceilings and better ventilation. 1860. No official changes were implemented and repeated studies saw an increasing incidence of mercury poisoning and a lot of excuses as to why the workers were getting sick. Because people, the workers either didn't want to admit they were sick because then they would lose their job or there were a lot of really classist and racist uh, implications because a lot of the factory workers were immigrants and the doctors would just say like, yeah, he's really sick, but he also probably drinks a lot. So... (laughs) There was stuff humans, like that. man. Humans. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, by 1934, 1860, we knew this was a problem, wrote papers on it in medical journals. By 1934, the U.S. Public Health Service estimated that 80% of American felt makers had mercurial tremors. Hat manufacturers finally adopted to switch to a process involving hydrogen peroxide instead of mercury in 1941. How nice. That's nice. That's good. But it wasn't even because of an interest in the health of the hatters. It was because mercury was needed for the war effort. And so they're just like, oh, I guess we can try this other process. Mercury is kind of expensive right now. Hashtag capitalism. A little
1: bit. A little bit. I got nothing. I was going to say something like witty and like I I got nothing.
0: It's just depressing. That's really depressing.
1: (laughs) You know, but this also like ties into everything else that happens, which is like people like, I don't believe I can't believe we're not listening to experts anymore. It's like, no, no, apparently this started like way long ago. This isn't like a new thing. We've never
0: looked to experts. Everyone always thinks they're the smartest person in the room. Always. I don't.
1: I'm aware that I'm not the smartest. (laughs) Everyone should grow up with an Erica as a best friend because it is humbling and you develop other skills. Sounds bad. I I developed an amazing personality. That makes me sound like a jerk. I developed an amazing personality. My social skills are 100% from being your best friend because I was like, well, I can't be the smartest person in the room. Maybe I can be the most outgoing.
0: Aww. (laughs) I always celebrate your intelligence, Katie. You're very smart and you have a lot of skills that I don't have. Thank you, Erica.
1: (laughs) I don't celebrate my intelligence. I do celebrate my I'm curious. I do celebrate my curiosity. Hey, that's really important. very interesting curiosity <laughs> but yeah that is so freaking depressing it is. 80 years 80 years we knew people were getting mercury, and that's a terrible way to die
0: yeah mercury poison yeah you me. want to hear the details oh, I mean, not really but go for it i got a list coming up
1: i mean not really but go for it i mean shoot like mercury's worse than lead
0: oh yes as far as neurotoxic yeah. effects goes i mean probably not in children because i think that I think it is worse in adults for yeah. sure, but I think there's a lot more evidence of chronic lead exposure in mm-hmm. children because of the freaking cribs and water and water, yeah, and leaded gasoline. Just putting it in the friggin' yeah, air, that too. You yeah. know, fun stuff. Anyway, mercury. Mercury poisoning is also known as erethism. but it's also known as Mad Hatter disease because it's literally that prevalent. Acute mercury exposure has given rise to, and this is a quote, psychotic reactions such as delirium, hallucinations, and suicidal tendency. Occupational exposure has resulted in erethism with irritability, excitability, excessive shyness, insomnia, and continuing exposure causes a fine tremor, initially involving the hands and then later spreading to the eyelids, lips, and tongue, causing violent muscular spasms. The tremor is so characteristic that you can tell in someone's handwriting that they have mercury poisoning. I'm looking it up. And actually this, so there was an original article that the very helpful Wikipedia page linked to. It was a 1946 article in the British Journal of Industrial Medicine. Now 1946, this is really shortly after mercury was actually removed from the hat making process or the felt making process, both it's only been like five years at that point. So there's a lot of people to study. But that original article in the British Journal of Industrial Medicine had some samples of the handwriting. So you could sh- see it was just like a very characteristic tremor. I'm looking at it right now. It's, it's, yeah, I've never seen something like this. Yeah. What? If you have a mild case of the mercury poisoning, the things like the tremor can improve over time but you still have decreased nerve conduction velocities. So it means your your nerves aren't sending signals fast enough. So your whole body, your physical response time is physically slowed. Long-term low-level exposure, according to the World Health Organization, like I said, is characterized by fatigue, irritability, loss of memory, vivid dreams, and depression. The chronic exposure also, where was it? Oh, causes severe neurological damage and kidney damage. So that's fun. Signs and symptoms of that include red fingers, red toes, red cheeks, sweating, loss of hearing, bleeding from the ears and mouth, loss of appendages such as teeth, hair, and nails, lack of coordination, poor memory, shyness. Again, that's an odd one. And then the tremor. So, yeah. Exposure to mercury vapors induce these symptoms in a lot of hatters, and thus think of the Mad Hatter from Alice in Wonderland. Think of the way, yeah, think of his, his coloration, yeah, red nose. Think of the way he talked,
1: and he and he would get very shy slash and irritable. Angry. Yeah,
0: yeah, pathological shyness and marked irritability were the way that the article <sighs> worded it. They made a book character about it because of how prevalent this occupational poisoning was. Yes. But tying it back to the route of radium exposure, I wanted to say another group of people who were exposed to mercury via their jobs were medieval monks. So a lot of them actually suffered mercury poisoning by licking their paintbrushes when they were using cinnabar, which is mercury ore that is used to make a red ink. And apparently the manuscripts that were illuminated with cinnabar are actually still toxic enough that researchers are advised not to touch them with their bare hands because they're still bad. That is wild. So mercury gets deposited in a vast number of tissues in the body and it just wreaks havoc. So it actually alters the structure of your proteins. And mostly this is by binding with sulfhydryl groups, which means places in your proteins that have sulfur. And that's usually means that they incorporate the amino acid cysteine. Sulfur groups or disulfide bonds are actually a really good way for different sections of a protein that aren't directly connected to bind over long distances. It's integral to the formation of insulin, for example. It is a really Is one of the common examples they give you when you're learning about disulfide bonds. You make pro insulin and then all the right sulfur bonds bind together and then you can cleave off the extra bits and make insulin and still have the right structure because of the sulfur bonds. Also, sulfur bonds are the reason that your hair is the shape that it is. And whenever you chemically or with heat change the shape and structure of your hair, it's by breaking those disulfide bonds and allowing them to reform in a different shape. Oh, that's cool. But if that's happening to all of the proteins that mercury touches inside of your body, that's bad for you. Yeah, that's not cool. So it can mess up anything. It interferes with DNA transcription and protein synthesis. And those are the most basic things that a cell can do. It destroys the organelles inside of your cells, interferes with the cell membrane integrity, generates free radicals. It just wreaks havoc. It's a bull in a china shop. It really, really God, is. That's terrible. And the main treatment that I saw is similar to lead. It's using a chelator, trying to find something that will bind to the mercury and allow it to be excreted from your body. But
1: that's the problem, though. It's hard to get mercury out.
0: Yes, it, ver- it very much is. The one chelator that I saw being used the most often was actually developed just kind of as a diagnostic tool. It's just called DMPS or 23 capto one propanosulfonate I don't know if there's anything better. I saw like a, a case report list of a collection of what treatments had been done. Did anything help? There wasn't a lot. Yeah. Well, that's one thing you hear. If you get exposed to enough mercury, you're, there's no cure. Yeah,
1: yeah it's pretty bad. Yeah, that was depressing. Good Lord.
0: Yeah. So my other sources for that section were another review article called Mercury Toxicity and Treatment, a review of the literature by Robin Bernhoft, the EPA again, HealthLawing.com, and then WorldHistory.us for the little aside about most. And then the very last thing I wanted to talk about, which is pretty short, because even though it was the one thing I hadn't heard of, that I came across and inspired me to do this whole article. I still, the reason I hadn't heard of it is I could barely find anything about it online. But I still wanted to talk about it because it was my inspiration for the article. Absolutely, let's do it. The group of people at risk for occupational health hazards in this case is medieval longbow makers. And technically modern longbow makers, there just aren't that many of them. Longbow makers. Longbow specifically. I heard somewhere, I don't know where, it inspired me to make a little note about it in my phone. I heard that medieval longbow makers were often poisoned by the wood that they handled to make bows, and apparently, what you what they would use is you.
1: Hey, I know that because I can make
0: u bows in Skyrim. <laughs> nice, Katie's contributions to this episode are ninety percent video Absolutely. game. Absolutely, we
1: got Fallout, we got Skyrim so far. Keep going. <laughs>
0: Yew trees are considered the best material for making longbows because, according to the Worshipful Company of Bowyers, at bowyers.com, they have a, quote, natural elasticity, sweetness of draw, and cast second to none. Love that. They throw things real far, real smooth. Absolutely. And apparently, if you search woodworking forums online, the hazard comes primarily from sanding or turning the wood, which makes inhalable particles. So, Zachary, if you're listening, don't do any woodworking with no you. you. No pens made out of you. So, my brother makes really cool pens. Super cool pens. Not not allowed to work with you. I say so. Every part of a you plant, I think except maybe the berries, is very toxic. So the leaves, the bark, the wood, the seeds—they contain an alkaloid compound called, or a class of alkaloid compounds called taxines, which are highly toxic and have been used for deliberate poisonings, nice. which ranges from assassination to suicide, for centuries. Okay, humans, good job. Fifty grams of you needles is a lethal dose, and you die within two to five hours. So. That. Stay away from that. Very deadly. The signs of the U poisoning are very nonspecific. Nausea, vomiting, impaired color vision, abdominal pain, muscle spasms. The clinical symptoms are dilated pupils, tachycardia, and brachycardia. So problems with your heart rate, tonic-clonic convulsions, and then somnolence or sleepiness or unconsciousness. Those aren't super specific. The color change is kind of specific. Loss of color vision, that's very that That one's weird. And I don't know if that's the main indicator that it's you and not any of the countless other poisons that are out there in the world that would cause convulsions and muscle spasms and and vomiting, you know? Yeah, that seems like it could be a lot. And there's not a guaranteed therapy. It, It seems like most of the treatment is Extracorporeal membrane oxygenation, which means you put someone on artificial heart and lungs, and you wait until they try to metabolize the metabolize the tax signs out of their system, and your heart can recover its normal I function. I feel like
1: that's what a lot of doctoring is. It's like, ah, uh, well, let's wait it out.
0: You just, just let's just keep them alive and see if it works itself yep. out. Live to fight another day. So there's not a ton of detail online at all about the source of the cardiotoxicity. So that seems to be the main problem. Is the problems to your heart? And sometimes this is good and sometimes this is bad because apparently taxanes can produce taxanes with an A instead of an I. So taxanes are a class of cancer drugs like paclitaxel, taxol, and docetaxel that are designed to inhibit cell growth by inhibiting mitosis. But they always carry the risk of cardiotoxicity, of damaging your heart. And so they're not necessarily going to be the first choice even though paclitaxel and taxol are very traditional chemotherapy medicines, they're risky enough that they're not always the first choice. It is good in that way. We have some cancer drugs that result from this u alkaloid compound. But if your livelihood is cutting staves of u and then turning them into a bow shape and making them all flexible and treating them. You need to wear a mask. Please wear a respirator please. <laughs> at all costs. Learn from yes. COVID wear the mask. Yeah. And there's there's actually forums online for like modern woodworkers recounting stories of them or their friends that got you poisoning or suspected you poisoning. So it, this is a persisting problem, but in a very niche group of individuals. Which is interesting. My brief resource list for that section is, again, and The review article, Clinical Toxicology of You Poisoning, by Labossier and Thompson in the Annals of Pharmacotherapy, and then a case report on Cardiotoxicity of You by Piskak, Stribny, Rakovka, and Mali. Remind me
1: to never complain
0: about my job again. <laughs> Doesn't try to kill you as actively as it could.
1: Like, good lord. Oh my gosh, Erica, that's a that was a depressing delve into some stuff. I, you know, although honestly depressing not surprising the mercury thing does not surprise me upsets me yes surprises me no absolutely not
0: at some point everyone's just like i don't know man hatters are crazy
1: yeah they're Sucked? like yeah look
0: we i like I like a couple times during the podcast you're like look they knew it was a problem ah it's fine try getting someone who owns the company to make an effective workplace change maybe not hitting a little close to home right now Hitting a little close to home is OSHA making you do it? If not, we're fine.
1: Yeah, OSHA, EPA, and are the CDC sniffing around. Because otherwise, who cares? Oh my gosh. Stop me before I get political on this podcast. Hey, I follow a Facebook group that's called, looks like an OSHA violation, but okay. Yeah, please add me to that. I'm very <laughs> interested in being added to that group. So in the spirit of not ending this podcast in just a sad, ragey Katie like spiral into like her views on the political system and everything that's wrong with the world. um, What is your mental health minute?
0: (laughs) My mental health minute is in case you haven't already heard the national suicide prevention hotline has changed its phone number to be very easy and recognizable and rememberable. It is now nine, eight, eight. And if you need help remembering this, Start with nine one one. Did you subtract the one from the nine? It's nine eight eight. I saw that and I'm really excited. Yes, about I'm really it. glad because I've looked up the other number to try and share it before and it's it's not easy to remember. And I'm really glad that you, that there's a like national hotline has reached enough prevalence that it can get such a standardized number.
1: And it's because we're talking about it, right?
0: We're finally at the point in our society
1: where we are willing to ask for help.
0: So not us specifically, like three people hear us talk about
1: it. Right. But like, you know, in general, like people are talking about it, which is important. And that brings me to my mental health minute, which is like, you know, as a new mom, I'm going to sit here and say this right now pride myself being a very independent self-sufficient person and there is absolutely nothing wrong for asking for help if you feel overwhelmed and you need it
0: very important
1: i have definitely like asked me where my daughter's been this entire podcast i handed her to her father and went to the bedroom (laughs) i was like here you go enjoy some parenting (laughs) (laughs) go have fun and she has been screaming her head off the whole time so if there's any like if you feel like man i hear like an undercurrent of screaming i'm like that's my kid Working on her lung. Capacity. It was either Scarlet or
0: the guy across the street using a leaf blower for the first half hour of this podcast. So hopefully both of those didn't make I think it it adds like an
1: element of realism. <laughs> sure. Element of sure. realism. I'm here for it. Yeah, you know. Okay. Well, um this was thoroughly depressing. Thank you for like, this episode. This I appreciate it. Fun question mark. This was great. Had a great time. Loved it. This was great. <laughs> Learned a lot. Made myself angry. Aww. Now I have like a god kind of like self righteous rage. I'm gonna go rage online. Uh, I'm gonna go find somewhere and be like, "Do
0: you know what people did the night in the 1860s? Screw those people!" Yeah, honestly. Oh, hey! And while you're on Facebook, stop by the Southern Science Facebook
1: page and leave us a note. Say hi to us or like our page. I keep noticing people liking our page and visiting our page, you know, but Yay. you can also talk to us. We're talk around. To us. Hang talk out.
0: to us, please.
1: We log, you know, we log in, you know, you can like our stuff. I'm going to start posting random things on that Facebook page. Yeah. Um, Maybe stuck in her I'm house I'm with a new baby, so. Things that, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, am ba- you know, I hang out with the new baby, but she's not very interactive yet. <laughs> and I think what I've decided is I'm going to start posting like sciency things that I want Erica to talk to me about. Yeah.
0: Anyone can post uh, ideas, episode requests, things like that. That'd be great. Like, we can start the whole hashtag. Is this science? (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Is this science? All right.
1: So yeah, check us out on Instagram. Check us out on Facebook. Uh, Shoot us an email if you are interested or would like to talk to me or Erica. We do check the email. And we will see you guys hopefully in a couple weeks. Yay! Bye! Bye! (laughs)
0: Do you ever tell the friends we knew that